0: Twenty-six, verse 24 through 25 says, now as he made uh, thus made his defense Festus said with a loud voice Paul you are beside yourself much learning is driving you mad but he said I am not mad most noble Festus but speak the words of truth and reason Romans chapter 1 verse 13 through 16 also the words of Paul here's what he said he said now I do not want you to be unaware brethren That I've often planned to come to you, but I was hindered until now. That I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. Father, we thank you for your word today. Speak to our heart, spirit of the living God. I arrest every spirit that's not like the Lord today. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us victory in our hearing. Lord, help us to have ears to hear and a heart to understand today. Let your word go forth like good seed, producing good fruit on good ground. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. Well, I hope you endured the frigid weekend we've had over the last few days. How many of you know it's been cold? Amen. The Oklahoma weather's been extremely up and down, but I don't know about you, but I'm rejoicing in the God of my salvation. When I look at the weather pattern for this coming week, I can use some high 60s and mid 70s. Can I get an amen? Springtime, bring it on. But we're excited about what God's doing. If you're just joining us this morning, uh, you understand that over the last few weeks, I started a series entitled Upside Down. We've been looking at the book of Acts and how the Holy Spirit came into the world um, at the outpouring of the church. We actually went back before then and looked at the Holy Spirit's ministry through the Old Testament and up until the day of Pentecost. We looked at the Holy Spirit being uh, with us, being in us, and being upon us. Uh, Today we're going to look at how the Holy Spirit works through us as we look at the life of Paul uh, in a message that I've entitled this morning, Unashamed. Everybody say that with me, Unashamed. So we're going to look at how the life of the Apostle Paul was changed and how his passion for Christ was unbridled. I believe that in the day in which we live right now, we need to be unashamed for the things of God. Amen? Unashamed for the things of God. Uh, Several years ago, uh, when I was pastoring in Arkansas, I got a phone call and I got an invitation uh, along with some friends from Governor Bobby Zindel, who was the governor of Louisiana at that time, uh, to go down south of Baton Rouge to preach to the people at Angola State Penitentiary. Uh, if you don't know anything about Angola, Angola is the nickname actually, but Angola is Louisiana State Penitentiary. And uh, it is listed as um, one of the bloodiest prisons in America. Uh, beside that, Angola has one of the largest death row populations in the United States. Most people, when they go to Angola, they never leave. Uh, It was very eerie when we went there, and we went through all of the security and all of the things like that, and um, uh, we we saw that the inmates were even making their own furniture. They were making their own beds, and, and in many cases, their own caskets. It's a very eerie thing to realize that when you're in that place. Um, We were invited to go there by the governor, like I said, to to preach revival. Where we were uh, preaching in North Louisiana in Tallulah at the uh, women's facility there was experiencing transformational revival. We saw 30 women start out with a Bible study in their cell to where weekly there were 500 women, uh, between 350 to 500 women um, a night, five nights a week, out in open air. Pastor Seth and Ms. Kelsey were with me several times on those crusades uh, when we did those things. And people were saved and by the power of God. And so the, the governor noticed how the crime went down in that particular facility and invited our team to come to Angola. And when I begin to go to Angola, I began to research some things about Angola. And one thing that I didn't realize about this particular facility was the connection that was made to a very popular movie uh, back from the 90s. And that was a movie that was called The Green Mile. Does anybody ever remember The Green Mile? Well, The Green Mile is actually based off of Angola. So it's pretty surreal when I was looking at it and realizing that I was going to be ministering here and I was going to be among these people. But out of the movie Green Mile came a phrase that became extremely popular. And that is the phrase, dead man walking. And so can you imagine all of us in this room are marching towards death? I know that's eerie to think about. It's not really something that we like to wrestle with in our mind. All of us think we're invincible. All of us think we're going to live forever. But the truth of the matter is, the moment that we were born, that little clock on the inside of us began to tick and we begin to march towards our eternity. That's why I'm so passionate about making sure people are right to meet Jesus Christ. Amen? Because it's not the good who go to heaven and the bad who go to hell. It's the saved who go to heaven and the unsaved who go to hell. So it's important for us to be passionate about it because eternity is sitting in front of the face of all of us. But can you imagine being on death row knowing when that time comes and your verdict has finally been stamped? You know the date and the hour when you're going to be executed. I would, if it were me, I'm telling you, I would just die of a heart attack just thinking about it. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm not the guy to jump out of an airplane. I'd be gone before I hit the ground. Parachute or no parachute, the anticipation would kill me. But one of the phrases that became popular in the Green Mile, like I said, is dead man walking. So at the, that hour, whenever that inmate would, would, would be walked out to his demise by the, uh, the guards, all of the other inmates would begin to take the bars of the prison and they would shake them very violently and they would say this, there's a dead man walking. There's a dead man walking. And what they meant was, though this man was alive, he was as good as dead. And when I think of the Apostle Paul, I think of a dead man walking. I think of a man who was so unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ that it did not matter who said anything to him or what they thought about him or what situation or circumstance he might have landed himself in. Paul was unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, when I read about the testimony of Paul's conversion, when he saw a light on the road to Damascus, and and he was overshadowed with temporary blindness, and he heard a voice seeing no man, and the the Lord spoke to him and said, Paul, I've called you to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. I've called you, Paul, to be my witness, to be a light among the nations. It was at that moment where Paul died to himself and became alive. Christ you see I think that that scenario right there really gives us an understanding of what the Bible means in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 where Paul said I've been crucified with Christ nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ who lives in me Paul was already a walking dead man he was living on the assignment of heaven And I want you to know that when we look at our background passage in Acts chapter 26, what we see is Paul standing before Festus giving an appeal of of his belief. And, And Paul's been arrested at this point. You've got to understand that at this moment, every attempt has been made on Paul's life to stop him from preaching the gospel. Paul had been lied upon. He had been shunned by some of the other disciples because they didn't trust his conversion. Uh, There were those who uh, tried to set Paul up and frame him. There were those who tried to stone him and leave him for dead. And now Paul finds himself apprehended, working his way through the appeal process, captivated by chains. Paul, more than once, found himself incarcerated For the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now i got to ask you a very sobering question this morning. But I'm going to ask it anyway. I wonder in 2022 how many preachers would be in prison for the message that they preach. Come on somebody. Paul wasn't preaching God wants to give you a bigger house and a bigger car. He wasn't preaching that your life will be better. Paul was simply preaching that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. He's the Messiah. He's the awaited one of Israel. And unless you repent and put your faith in Christ, Paul was preaching that you will be lost. And Paul's message took him from the dungeons of prison into the highest offices of people like Agrippa and Festus and those ones just like that. But I thank God that under pressure Paul didn't do like some of these preachers do on Larry King Live. Come on, somebody. He didn't buckle and he did not bow. Paul was willing to stand up and say, I know in whom I believe and I'm well persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed to him unto this day. If I die the death, let me die a saved man, unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. That's good stuff. Paul was unashamed of the gospel. Why was Paul so unashamed? Because he was changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, Paul was a rough guy. Paul had a past. Paul had been delivered from great things. But yet it was the same Paul who God used to pen almost two-thirds of the New Testament. Our epistles, the revelation of who we are in Christ and the resurrection, all came from the lips of Paul through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But yet Paul was this person who was changed and impacted by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know I think sometimes Paul might have thought he was less than. Paul was not there at the upper room. Paul was not there when Jesus appeared to the others after the resurrection. Now, I'm sure there are times where Paul maybe felt like he was less than and I say that because in his writings Paul even says I'm a least of all of the apostles but yet God used him so mightily and so 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 great and I believe that one of the reasons why Paul was so powerfully used by God is because the Bible says to whom Much is given, much is required. To whom much is given, much is required. Another way to say it is like this He that is forgiven much loves much. And Paul never forgot where he came from, he never forgot the time that Jesus transformed his life. So, this morning, I want to walk with you through some things from the scripture that I believe will be a blessing to you, back from Acts chapter 26. Go back with me to verse 24, and I want to set this up with you. We're going to be looking some at chapter 25. We're going to be looking at some at chapter 26. And so I want to, I want to just kind of look through this with you, and I want you to see uh, what he's talking about right here. So good, so good, so good. Notice this, verse 24, he says, Now, as he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. You're mad, one translation says. Much learning is driving you mad, insane, crazy. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but I speak the words of truth and reason. Friends, let me tell you something. The world, when they look at us, they're supposed to see something different. The, the, the Bible calls us peculiar people. We're a chosen nation, a royal priesthood called out of darkness into his marvelous flight. And when Paul's passion, when Paul's zeal came up before the councils and before the courts, they said, Paul, he is crazy. Paul, he is insane. Listen, for years the church has been persecuted by the world because of our stances and what we stand for and the things that we uh, come up against. But the truth is, my friend, listen... We might be nuts, but we're screwed on to the right bolt. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, we not, if we're going to be a nut for something, let it not be for a leftist agenda. If we're going to be a nut for something, let it not be for the ways of the world. If we're going to be a nut for something, let us be a nut for Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to be so full of God. Come on, springtime's coming, summertime's coming. I want to be so full of God. If a mosquito bites me, it flies away, singing there's power in the blood. That's what we need today. We need to be filled with Christ through and through unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to live such a life, my friend, that if I were to backslide, those that were closest to me would never believe it because of the life that I've lived in front of them. I want to live such a life on fire for God that the world takes notice. Paul, you're crazy. See, Paul is just about to go to Rome. And If you want to read some of these other passages, Paul Paul is shipped off after this point. Paul is fighting the tempest on the sea and his ship breaks down and he finds himself shipwrecked on the Isle of Miletus, snake bite, snake bitten, shakes the snake off into the fire. It's just one thing after one thing after another for Paul to get to Rome. But thank God he finally got there. But there was a process that Paul had to go through before he got to Rome. And part of that process was defending himself and defending the gospel. The term apologist or apologetics is is a term described for people who study the defense of Scripture. To give an account for what you believe. Which, by the way, the Bible says we ought to always be ready to give an account for the hope that's within us. This generation today, if you tell them, I believe. This and you and they ask you why? Uh, because I do is not a good enough answer. Amen. We got to give a defense of the gospel, and Paul spent his life not only as an apostle, but an as as an apologist, constantly giving defense to the gospel, giving credence to the message of Christ. And so he finds himself in circumstance after circumstance, situation after situation, in front of the Sanhedrin, in front of the council. All of these things and the They're plotting against him to finally take this crazy man out. But now we find chapter 25, Paul appeals to Caesar. And he's appealing to him. Then Paul makes his way before King Agrippa. And he's sitting here defending the fact of who Jesus Christ is and how he changed his life. You don't have to turn there this morning. But if you want to write some notes in your notes in Acts 25... Verse number 23, it says, And so the next day, when Agrippa and Bernice had come with great pomp, they had entered the auditorium with the commanders and the prominent men at Festus' command. Paul was brought. So Paul, Paul was brought in, center, front and stage, in front of everybody. And Festus said, King Agrippa and all the men who are present with us, you see this man about whom the whole assembly of the Jews petitioned me, both at Jerusalem here, crying out that he was not fit To live any longer. So what they wanted to do. Is snuff out Paul's life. But when I found out. That he had committed nothing deserving of death. And that he had appealed to Augustus. I decided to send him. I am not... Uh, I have nothing certain to write my Lord concerning him. Therefore, I brought him out before you and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that after examination has been taken place, I have something to write. For it seems to me unreasonable to send a prisoner and not to specify charges against him. So, Paul's being examined and examined and cross examined. They are trying to find something that they can put against Paul. And what does he do in the middle of pressure? I want to show you what he does. The first thing we see as looking in our text is that, number one, he was unashamed of his teaching. Paul was unashamed of his teaching. Paul began to talk about why they arrested him. And Paul said he came preaching Jesus Christ. Him crucified, Him resurrected, and Him raised from the dead. Paul spoke of the resurrection, which, by the way, drove all of the religious leaders of Israel mad. Paul preached that Jesus Christ was the only hope of salvation. Friends, I want you to hear me this morning. As believers, we've got to be unashamed of what we believe. We've got to be unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You say, I don't want to be weird. It's weird anyway. Hallelujah. I don't want to mess you up this morning. Say, Pastor, I don't want people to think I'm weird. Come on, somebody. You believe that a man died on a cross and rose again three days later. That's not normal. You believe Jonah was swallowed by a giant fish and three days later got spit up. That's not normal. You believe Elijah was taken to heaven on the chariot of fire. That's not normal. Come on. I can go on and go on and go on. Uh, This gospel that we preach this morning is a supernatural gospel. And my friends, we cannot be ashamed of what we believe. It is who we are. Paul was unashamed. The gospel of Jesus Christ. He preached that Christ was the only hope of salvation. Why were they so mad at Paul? Because Paul upset the apple cart. We've been talking about this last week. He upset the apple cart of religion. He comes in, and I want you to imagine being Jewish for centuries and centuries and thinking that you have it all together. And here Jesus comes in with this new teaching, and all of a sudden upsets everything. Rather than being happy that the Messiah had come, they became upset and embroidered with rage. Paul was unashamed of his teaching. I want you to take note of this. As a believer, we must know what we believe and never be ashamed to share it. When they asked Paul about what he was talking about, he told them about Jesus. He told them about Jesus. You know what this is? This is what you call being a witness. A couple weeks ago, I preached on, Can I Get a Witness?, Paul is witnessing right now. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. When you're a witness and you've been called to testify, you've got to testify. Paul was called before the highest courts of Jerusalem at that day, and Paul had to put up or shut up. Paul said, I know who I have believed. And Paul began to share about Jesus Christ. Here's the second thing. Not only was Paul unashamed of his teaching, number two, he was unashamed of his testimony. He was unashamed of his testimony. Perhaps one of the reasons why they were so mad at Paul is because out of all of the other apostles and early disciples, Paul was probably the most like them. Paul was probably the most like them don't know if you've ever read his resume. It's pretty interesting. Circumcised on the eighth day. Studied under Gamaliel, Pharisee of Pharisee. Paul, Paul was up there with the high-ranking Pharisees you can get. He was in the religious system. He was in the political system. He was in all of that. But you know what happens? Paul, in Acts 26, uh, at about verse 12, Paul starts uh, accounting his conversion. I want you to listen to some of it with me. Acts 26 verse 12. Paul's recounting this. He says, While thus occupied as I journeyed from Damascus with authority and commission made from the chief priests. In other words, Paul's on assignment for the the religious leaders to go and persecute more Christians, right? Paul's going to to, to do horrible unspeakable things to the church. Notice this. He says, At midday, O king, along the road, he said, I saw a light from heaven. Brighter than the sun shining around me and those who journey with me. And when they had, we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? Is it hard for you to kick against the goads? So I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand at your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister, whoo, God, and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people. Who, my God. So how many of you know it's good to have a word from the Lord? He said, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Paul was unashamed of his testimony. He was standing there in front of the highest courts and they're asking him about what he's talking about, what he's saying. And and now Paul comes and he gives them his testimony. Folks, we have to be unashamed of our our testimony. we got to be unashamed of where we've come from. We're not to live in our past. We're not to wallow in our past. But God didn't bring you through all of that stuff Just to help you. God brought you through all of that stuff to help somebody else. Oh, come on, somebody. We're sitting on landmines and landmines of books and testimonies and conversions because people are too ashamed to tell how bad they used to be. Let me give you a news flash. Most people know how bad you used to be. Come on, somebody. You might as well shame the devil and tell the world what Jesus has done for you because Paul was not about to sit there and miss his moments. How many times do we miss our moment? Because we don't want to be looked at as crazy, as weird, as whatever. No, my friend, we got to be bold about sharing our testimony. And Paul's testimony is about as crazy as they come. I'm just walking, you know, riding down the road and, a, and the light shined from heaven. At that moment, most people would have checked out. Then he says, then I start hearing voices. Everybody else would have checked out right there too. But Paul was not ashamed of his testimony. And as a believer, your testimony is a beautiful depiction of the grace of God. I want to say that one more time. As a believer, your testimony is a beautiful depiction of the grace of God. Man, if you used to be a gambler, a whoremonger, a religious person like Paul, if you used to be an abuser, if you was a, a whatever, don't glorify the sin. But never be ashamed to share where Jesus has brought you from. Because Paul at this moment is giving these people an opportunity. You've got to understand, at this moment, whether they receive it or reject it, they will never, ever ever have an excuse to have never heard the gospel to have never had an opportunity to accept Christ because Paul determined that he was not willing to miss his moment man hallelujah can't be ashamed of our testimony here's the third thing Paul was unashamed of his task he was unashamed of his task I want you to see this again. I want to go back and I want to read this one more time. Just this last portion of Acts 26. Verse number 17. Paul said, or Jesus said rather to Paul, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. Notice this. To open their eyes... In order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Now, I want you to notice what Paul didn't tell them. Paul didn't tell them, now God loves you just as you are. You don't need to change. It's good. No. Paul recounts the very words of Christ. Paul said, Basically, here's what you've got to understand. So Paul was going in one direction. And as he was going in one direction, God sovereignly stopped him in his tracks and turned him into the other direction. In just a moment, just like this, Paul went from batting from one team to batting from the to the other team. And now he's serving God. And here's what Paul is here's what Jesus is telling Paul. Paul, here's what I've called you to do. First of all, I need you to know this, Paul. I'm going to deliver you from the Jews and from the Gentiles, which I'm sending you to. Maybe that's why Paul had some boldness to do some of the things he did because he stood on and believed the word of the Lord. But the second thing uh, is this, is that Paul, uh, you know, he said, I- I've called you to convert them from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of God. Now, if you tell people today that they're in the kingdom of Satan, they get mad at you. Even believers don't like you talking about sin. Oh, Lord, they can't handle that. But Paul understood, and better yet, mentioned Jesus understood that there are two kingdoms. There are not three kingdoms. There are not four kingdoms. There are not five kingdoms. There are two kingdoms, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light, and both of these kingdoms are in conflict with each other. They cannot coexist. And so what God is trying to say through the life of the Apostle Paul is that, Paul, I'm using you to snatch out of the, pe- of the people, those who are in the old system, in the kingdom of darkness, and to bring them into the saving grace of my resurrection. Paul wasn't unashamed of his task. He knew he had an assignment to preach the gospel. He knew he had an assignment to reach the Gentiles. Notice this. And his purpose, notice this, his purpose was not to coexist with the counterculture. His purpose was to turn the people's hearts from wickedness to God. Here you go. Are you ready for this one? As a believer, you should never be ashamed of what you're called to do. Never be ashamed of what you're called to do. I want you to know something this morning, you and I have been called by God to be unashamed. I want to read I want to read one more passage of scripture to you. Romans chapter 1 verse 13 through 16. I want you to turn over there with me and I'm getting ready to to close in just a moment. Romans chapter 1 verse 13 through 16. This is this is Paul. Okay? Acts chapter 26 was before he got to Rome. This verse, these passages, are right when he got to Rome. Notice this. He said, Now I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often plan to come to you, but I was hindered. And yes, he was. How many of you would agree he was? Paul said, A great and effectual door has been opened unto me, but there are many adversaries. Anytime he tried to do something, he got blocked, stopped, punched, knocked down, but he kept getting back up. He said, that I also might bear some fruit among you as also of the other Gentiles. He says, I'm a debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. Notice this, so as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. But here's what I want you to see at verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. For everyone who believes, for the Jew first, and also for the Greek. Paul makes this statement when he gets to where he's going. He says, I've been trying to get to you. Sorry it took so long. He said, I'm ready to preach. The same fire I feel right now that I felt in my heart in Jerusalem, the same fire in my heart that I felt inside the council, I still feel right now. And as much as is within me, I'm ready also to preach the gospel in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? For it is the power of God and the salvation. Folks, here's where I want to draw the line this morning in this there is no salvation outside of the gospel.